you've got to work out how much time it costs you to save the pennies, to find the pounds. Mark was just walking that way to go to the office to clear his paperwork, and I was just on the phone with our special guest who's still in Essex. Oh. Yeah. But I think we've got someone even better. Mark! <laughs> so, um, no. <laughs> you noticed that face, that, yeah. So, um, I'm actually not going to tell you who the special guest was, but I am going to rebook him for you. Um, he's a very disruptive young entrepreneur. But thinking about it, I reckon this special guest might even be a little bit better. Um, so everyone, please welcome to the stage, Mark Homer! <laughs> so Mark, is it true you had 10 investment properties but still lived with your mum? I think I had 20. <laughs> <laughs> And, but the, the room in your mum's house was pretty small, wasn't it? Yeah, it was probably... It, yeah, it was, it was probably on the edge of being HMO compliant. <laughs> Pro probably wasn't, actually. It was probably less than seven metres squared, yeah. So I don't know anyone else who lived in a seven metres squared room with his mum and yet was a property millionaire. So why didn't you buy your own house before that? Well, I mean, buying my own house just sort of seemed to add up to um, cost. You know, why, why would I spend money on, you know, mortgage interest, on gas, electric, you know, and all that sort of stuff when I can use that money to invest, you know, and sort of get ahead? So um, a lot of these American influencers, they say you should not buy your own home. You should rent your own home. Would you agree? No, I, I think that's nuts. Um, I think it's really nuts. Um, I, I, I don't fully understand, well, I, I have a, a, a very superficial understanding of the American tax system, and um, clearly we know they get capital growth over there with property, but you know, maybe they're sort of saying that in some way because um, America is different, but in this country there are uh, very definite advantages to owning your own home as long as you're going to stay in it probably at least five years definitely more, you know the average is maybe seven years so yeah definitely I would buy I mean if you're only going to stay in it a year or two it's <coughs> definitely better to rent yeah. um, <coughs> what do you think of all these recent tax changes um, start with property and then yeah. we'll go to business is this relating to owning your own home probably relating to investing in property. Oh, okay, so, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the big one is section 24, owning properties in your own name means you can't offset all the mortgage interest, which is a major issue. Um, it's just adding up to a, a, complete, um, a complete mess, isn't it? You know, there's a, a, a severe lack of rental property because the planning system is broken and because of section 24 and because they put the stamp duty up to high, higher rates of 3% on top. Um, so, um, you know, we were renting out little three beds 2016 for 550. Um, that went to 600, 700, 800, not long ago, 900. And then yesterday I got a message saying one of our three beds has just let for 1200. Um, so it's gone from 
550 in 2016 to 1200 yesterday. Um, wow. And I think that's the result of clearly interest rates going up, yes, uh, but huge amount of it is landlords leaving uh, because of all this stuff, less, less rental property. There were, there were lots of new rental properties coming on, you know, certainly early 2000s, mid 2000s, you know, even through probably 2015, 16, but that's reversed. Um, thank you, George Osborne. Um, it's a good example though of, you know, when these things come along and you think, God, that's terrible. This is really gonna affect us. Actually, economics dictates that in order for you to continue to supply your product, the customer, i.e. the tenant, is just gonna to have to pay for this stuff. And that's what's happening until the price, the price goes up to a certain point where it works again. And that, that's what we're in the process of. So um, yeah, it's another lesson, isn't it? Uh, but yeah, rent, rents are just going, going absolutely nuts off the back of this. Mm. Um, yeah, if you can get, get your properties into a limited company, then um, you're, it's not better. Obviously, it was much better owning them personally. Uh, you were paying less tax, but this is certainly better than the alternative. Yeah. So is this a bit of a paradox in that some of these tax changes affected or hurt us with our existing portfolio, but then actually made it better for us with newer properties we were going to buy? Because um, rent being yeah. £1,200 for a yeah. three-bed is obviously good. Yeah. And, and property prices are falling at the moment. Um, and the reason they're falling is because interest rates have gone from almost nothing to five and a quarter percent plus the bank margin. So you go, go and get a mortgage now, you, what are you paying buy to let at least, probably all in, you're paying 7%. I know they, they tell you it's five and a half, but then they just charge you a massive arrangement fee. Um, so yeah, you're probably paying more like 7%. Um, and you know, most of the market is homeowners, and because of that, less of them are buying, so property prices are falling. Um, so therefore now, whereas you know, 2020, 21, maybe you could buy a little three bed in Peterborough for probably got up to 180 for an ex-council. That house is now 150. In 2020, it was probably renting at about 800, 850. It's now renting at 1200. Um, so if you're, if you're not investing today, but you're making investment decisions for the next 20 years, as you should be, you can now buy that house for 150 and it will rent for 1200 a month. What, what's not to like? All right, maybe the cash flow is not great at the moment, whilst interest rates are as they are. Uh, but the IMF, the IMF think our natural rate of interest in this country should be below 1%. Um, yesterday, I think, or the day before, Savills re released um, a report saying they think base rate will eventually get back down to about one and a half percent, something like that. I'm not saying that's happening anytime soon. Um, you know, the, the yield curve shows that this whole thing probably will take another three years. Uh, but with an aging population and globalization and all that sort of stuff, uh, base would naturally be a lot, lot lower. It's very restrictive at the moment in terms of economic activity. Um, so, you know, with base back down to 1% to 2%, let's say in five years' time, uh, rents won't fall. Uh, you know, they, they may come off a little bit, but, you know, you'll, you'll be there and property prices will come back. Uh, what's not to like? I mean, you know, next year is going to be a golden buying opportunity, I think. Um, 2024. Yeah, I, I really, you know, 
we've tried to buy some stuff this year. We bought, I think we bought one. We bought a Pizza Express that worked. It was under rented because they went through a uh, insolvency process. Um, and I think we can sort of amend that and, and, and sort of improve on that because they, they're paying 50 grand and they, sh they should be paying, well, they were paying 100, and now they're paying 50. But in terms of residential uh, prices, I, I think, um, you know, they, I, I suspect next year they'll stop falling uh, and that'll be the pit and you'll be able to get, oh, I'm hoping for little three beds at maybe 140 that were 180. Um, and rents, all right, we did well yesterday at 1200, but they're definitely a grand or 1100, you know? Mm. So li little one bed apartments, we rent in the town centre, we've got quite a lot of those. Building we finished in end of 21, my estimate was they were gonna rent at 650. Um, this week we've rented two at 9.25. That's from end of, all right, my estimate was probably when, yeah, 2019, 2020, yeah. So are we saying in the government's infinite wisdom of attacking landlords and making it harder for them, all they've really done is made the cost of living more expensive for normal homeowners and tenants? Well, for tenants, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, they've just, they've just, they're making the tenants pay this tax. The, the landlords are paying the tax and passing it on to the tenants. That's what's happening. Mm. Um, so, you know, if you talk, I, I've spoken to a couple of MPs about this more recently who've got properties and um, one in particular said to me, yeah, it was just all about tax, wasn't it? Uh, because they can't balance the books. And I think that's probably the reality, but it was politically popular, wasn't it? Because loads of tenants and loads of <laughs> tenants in particular went, yeah, let's go and get the landlords. Um, <laughs> or who ends up paying the landlords? Uh, yeah. So, um, I mean, it's sort of Jeremy Corbyn economics, isn't it? It's just <laughs> absolutely nuts. Um, or, or, or Boris, who clearly can't add up either. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, but I, 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 I think our debt level's now 100% of GDP. Um, you know, we're getting back to the late, back to the 1970s. It's, it's that bad, and they, they're just scrabbling around. Clearly, with Section 24, they were corralling us into limited companies, which makes you pay more tax. And then the ones that got left behind uh, pay even more tax. So, yeah, I think that's what it is, even though they say they're, they're trying to help the tenants um, and attack those nasty landlords. Uh, same with the Section 21. It's just driving landlords out of the sector, isn't it? Mm. Which, Pushing rents up. If yeah. landlords are leaving the market, is that an opportunity for people left? Um, how do you mean? Well, surely less landlords in Peterborough is good for us, isn't it? Yeah, uh, I think it is. It's, a bit like it's less very good. Companies left. Yeah, yeah, I events. quite like it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Michael Gove would say, "Oh, the property doesn't disappear, so a homeowner buys it." I mean, that that would be the government's argument. But um, the reality but you think is, another landlord will buy it. Well, no, at the moment, I suppose more homeowners are buying those because the landlords are leaving. But that doesn't mean that there are necessarily less tenants because tenants can't necessarily buy. There's only a third of the properties in this country are mortgaged anyway. So all those people who A, can't get a mortgage or B, haven't got a massive deposit or C, can't buy cash, you know, they've got to rent. Mm. Um, so yeah, they're not, those people aren't reducing, are they? I mean, 615,000 net migration uh, over the last 12 months, legal net migration. 
Um, I think uh, the illegal stuff's probably another 100, 150,000. So there's maybe eight, eight, nine hundred thousand people net. You know, more came than than left. About eight hundred thousand. So um, where do they live? They most of these people can't get a mortgage. I think in one building in town now. Uh, this has not really been reported very much, but Boris did some deal with India um, during the pandemic, um, which, you know, some sort of visa scheme to, to bring them over and uh, basically um, a, lot, a lot have gone into healthcare, but, you know, loads are technical. So, you know, they'll be doing coding and back office FCA. And, you know, here there's a big company that does pensions, back office, all the you know all the sort of IT stuff for pensions we have got in one building I think we've got say in that building there's 160 tenants I think 80 of them are Indian and they're in their rooms working a lot of the day on the Wi-Fi uh, doing coding and sort of uh, compliance type stuff for FCA um, yeah where do all these people live so um, no I uh, initially I, I remember where I was when I read about section 24 and I really understood it I, I know exactly where I was I was on the toilet in my old home reading my phone <laughs> and uh, I got I got this pain I got this pain in my stomach it was no because I just thought we're absolutely fucked you know because when you when you because we were going to be paying more in tax than we were in net rent sorry I'm was just, still picturing it yeah <laughs> And, um, and with it, his FT like this, probably. I was reading my phone, oh, and, right. I, I, and, and then it all started to sink in. It probably took me a week to get over it. I mean, you maybe remember it. I don't yeah, know. I remember you were. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was monumental. Uh, but then you find a way to, you know, using Section One Six Two Incorporation Relief, and you find another way to pay some stamp duty on some, and then the, the ones we had together, we didn't. That was a partnership, so no, we wrote to HMRC and, and got clearance and all that sort of stuff. And then, and then you also realise that it will drive loads of landlords out and the rents will start going up. So, yeah, you just need to sort of ad adapt, don't you? To adapt your business, you know, an issue comes along, you just set the sail of your sailing boat to, 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 to take advantage of, of the new, new direction of the wind. Hmm. So, I think you told me this. Was it one million um, people who had mortgages came off their fixed rate to their variable rate in September? No, it's 110,000 a month are coming off right. at the moment, something like that. So um, now only a third are mortgaged, which is pretty, you know, you wouldn't believe that, would you? A third of the properties in this country are mortgaged, two thirds aren't. Uh, I think that's really changed since the credit crunch and, and you know, the way they check whether borrowers can afford, you know, properties and mortgages and, and deposits and all that sort of stuff. But the, the point is, in the late, 90, late 80s, when interest rates shot up and the property market obviously fell a lot, the transmission mechanism was a lot more direct. So interest rates went up. There were a lot more people who were paying, who were on, you know, who had mortgages and the, the, I think the vast majority of them were variable. This time, there are so many more who are on three to five year fixes. Um, so, you know, stacks of them have still haven't felt the pain of this, but about 110,000 a month are coming off their variable rate going on to, 
the fixed rate. So which going is going from 1.74 to 7, for example. Yeah, maybe homeowners would be paying 6, 5 or 6. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. a big jump. It's a massive jump, yeah. yeah. Do you think that will increase repossessions? Well, they've already gone up a bit, uh, but because this transmission mechanism is, 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 is more elongated right. now, it's been smoothed. Yeah. Um, so it's still happening, but properties are falling probably slower. And this is maybe, you know, the government would argue how they would want it because maybe it gives, you know, the, the market more time to adjust. Yeah. Um, and incomes go up in the meantime. Um, but yeah, it, 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 there, there are, there's been a lot, hell of a lot of pain. And um, I mean, round here, I was saying a little three bed, 150 was 180. Um, I know the papers say that property prices have dropped four or five percent. I just think it's okay. This is not the whole country, but in this area, it's just nonsense. Um, to get a deal done, you've got to take 30 grand off a uh, 180 grand property, haven't you? Um, so. Wow, that's 15%. Yeah, that's a six. exactly. So, you know, and I, I think you'll, it's 20%, wow. isn't it? Of, yeah. So, you know, it, I think it'll get better slightly next year uh, in terms of prices. You know, you'll, you'll be able to buy stuff even cheaper. Depends where you are. I'm, I'm, I am talk, probably talking about the East Midlands, really. Mm. Yeah. So, last time you and I saw Nigel Farage together, yeah. you were on GB News. Yeah. And do you remember we met that quite quirky economist? We had a drink with him. Liam Halligan. That's the one. And he said to me that there have been about 15 housing ministers in the last 12 years. Yeah. And he says every one of them comes in and they're going to catch up with house oh, yes. supply. Yeah. And the banks stop it because the banks don't want more houses built. They want an undersupply to protect the value of their mortgages. I mean, he said that. The tre yeah, he said the Treasury, um, what happened, the new lot come in and they go, oh, we're gonna build all these houses. And then the Treasury sort of sit them down and have a, you know, an adult <laughs> conversation and go, uh, all that stuff, this is not, this, this is how we do it. And, and, um, I think Liz Truss tried to do that, didn't she? She sort of told the Treasury that we weren't going to do it that way anymore. We can do it another way. And they, they had her out pretty quickly. Mm. Um, not that I think that was a good thing, because I think she had some great ideas. But uh, I, th I think the Treasury have got a lot more power than um, people realise. Um, you know, tax and spend, all that sort of stuff. I think a lot of it starts and finishes at the Treasury. Yeah. Mm. Hmm. So we're going to come back to property in a moment. Yeah. They, they, I think, yeah, that point about the, the Treasury don't want massive house price falls. They, mm. they get put under pressure by the banks uh, because the banks don't want to end up repossessing a load of properties and losing a load of money. So they're definitely under that pressure. Uh, but they, they've said, haven't they, they, they've had this target since, um, I think it's since David Cameron, they're going to build 300,000 houses a year. Um, and I think in the best year, they've got to about 150, 170, something like that. Um, and Keir Starmer's come along and he says he's going to build 1.5 million houses. That's what he says. <laughs> That's what he said. Where? Over what period? Five years. So <laughs> 1.5 divided by five is what? 300,000. So he's, he's back to the target, which, um, the, you know, the, the current government. So you just know what's going to happen. It's just, I mean, I, I only really became conscious 
sort of when Tony Blair was around, you know, I didn't, I was a bit young before that, so I didn't really get what was going on. But I remember Tony Blair and Gordon Brown, Gordon Brown especially, telling us that they were going to, you know, take all the brakes off the planning system. We were going to get massive load of building happening, you know, and, and I can't remember the number, but it, it, you know, it was a huge, it was absolute nonsense, wasn't it? Um, so, so we had Gordon Brown saying that. Who came after Gordon Brown? Uh, coalition. Uh, coalition. So, yeah, Cameron, Cameron and Osborne came out with those numbers. Complete nonsense. It never happened. Uh, they did do help to buy for a bit, which did help, but obviously just meant a lot of first-time buyers ended up with expensive flats. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, that sort of helped. Um, and then subsequently, you know, all of them. I mean, do you remember Boris with his, was it Build Back? PD, PD came, that was helpful, but it, it's like this latest round of, oh, we're going to, you know, throw a load of people into the, resource the planning departments. How much were they going to give for that? It was something like 20 million. It, every time you look at the, the amount of money they're putting in or what they're going to do, it's just a drop in the ocean. Um, so I don't, I, I think underneath it all, I, I just don't believe any of it. I don't think they... Yeah, maybe Starmer will be different, but um, I suspect not. I suspect it will just be more of the same. They're not really interested in building lots of houses, I don't think. So, I was told that Lloyds have the intention to be the UK's biggest private landlord. I was also told that BlackRock are currently buying up loads of properties in America. Do you think that is true, and is there anything we can learn from that? Well, Lloyds bought their first... Um, private rented sector residential uh, sort of property block in Peterborough. Uh, it's called Citra Living um, and I do think they're buying a lot or they're trying to build a lot. They're sort of getting into it. They've, they've paid up for this block. They've mm. paid plenty of money for it. More than you would have. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, which sort of shows that they're quite early. Do you know what I mean? I think they're... They don't know what they're doing. Well, it's weird. <laughs> It's a little bit unforgivable, this, isn't it? Because who, who must have more data than anybody in this country on rents, mortgages, uh, non-payment issues? Who, who, who would have more data, do you think? The banks. Well, who's the biggest bank in the whole country? RBS. Lloyd's Banking Group. Yeah. So um, they've got the data, yeah. I think. And they still um, overpaid. Well, they did here. I mean, I know that. Uh, so I can say that, I don't How know. How does that make you feel? Uh, pretty good. <laughs> we're, we're almost opposite. We're about three streets away, I'm, you know, and I, I know how much less we got into that block for. Mm. Um, so, I, you know, I'm sure they're doing a great job there. Um, you know, they, they, they're keeping it all compliant and it'll, whatever, and, and they'll scale it up. Um, so, yeah, it wouldn't surprise. I mean, they've got the money, haven't they? They've got the money. They've got the data. They've got the ability to do it. Um, so I suspect Lloyd's probably will. John Lewis are doing it now as well. So John Lewis, uh, with some of their old stores, are building above and knocking stores down and putting blocks of flats on them. And then they're renting them out. They're using their John Lewis furniture as a point of difference. I'm sure that works. Uh, <laughs> in five, imagine in five years, it's just going to be a complete heap in the side of the room. And then... Um, <laughs> no point putting John Lewis in Peterborough flats, is it? Well, I just... With all the marketing, you're going to get John Lewis furniture. I'm like, oh, God, yeah, they'll really look after it. Um, and then, um, 
so they're doing it. And then, yeah, I think BlackRock, it's probably more opportunistic in America. Mm. Uh, <clears throat> they're a little bit ahead on the cycle, so they'll have they'll be buying off builders and um, yeah, maybe they'll be getting 20% off the headline price. But of course we know most new build properties are 15, 20% more than an existing yeah. property anyway. So I wouldn't really want to enter the marketplace like that, but they will, because they need to go in by, at scale. Mm. They need to buy a lot and deploy a lot of capital quickly. So I, I suspect it's a, you know, they're probably, it's a cyclical thing. They're looking at where the market is. They think it's, probably at the right point. And the likes of BlackRock, they'll, they'll exit in five years when they feel like it's recovered. Um, they do load, they have you know, stacks of analysts and mm. they'll do loads of research on it. So do you believe anything the government say? <laughs> we, we had this, we, we had an ICM call a couple of days ago and someone was talking back to me about EPC changes, how now you know, we're not going to have to reach a, a C with residential properties. And, and, and I can't remember, he, he just said, oh, isn't, isn't that good or something like that. And I just said, well, I don't believe any of it until I see the detail and the, the specific guidance because they just come out with continual horseshit, don't they? And, and, and um, <laughs> Specifically you know, horseshit, not bullshit. <laughs> I mean... I mean, we'll just think about electric cars. Um, electric cars now, uh, wh when are they banned from in this country? Has anybody any idea? Moved it back five years. So, so what I think they actually did was move 20% of it back by five years and 80% still need to be electric by 2030. So they've sort of just done it again, haven't they? They've come out with a big Boris headline, do you know what I mean? And, and, and I don't know, made certain people feel good or, or, or whatever, but then they're sort of doing something else. So I'd, I think, I think you, you know, when, when you listen to them speak, it's cause for, you know, further investigation. Uh, but then you've just got to wait for the legislation or the detail to come out because a lot of the time it's just um, a drop in the ocean. It doesn't mean very much. Um, it's nonsensical and of course when they're campaigning for you know to get into government or whatever that's when they they tell the absolute whoppers aren't they i mean they, that's what's about that's what's about to start and then and then they'll row back later so I no i don't think you can it's, it's just cause to look further isn't it uh, wait wait for the guidance after they've said it and then um and then make your decision once you you see what they've actually done rather than what they say they're going to do yeah are you uh, angry with the government for m making our business shut down? Yeah, that COVID? really that really pissed me off. Yeah, I mean, generally with stuff, I, I can sort of go, well, yeah, they they tell lies all the time, they screw things up. That's them. Who cares? We get on. But yeah, the way they, um, yeah, the, the way they screwed so many businesses up in this country and. Um, took our national debt to two and a half trillion. Um, I, I think it's an absolute outrage what they did. Yeah, and and you know what? All the way through all the stuff, we were sitting there in our in our boardroom, or we were on Zoom, discussing you know what we're about to do. And every now and again, Catherine, the MD, she'd sort of chirp up and go, "Oh, I bet they're doing this," or. I bet they haven't got a bloody clue about that and all this sort of stuff. Well, you can see it all now, can't you? With all the WhatsApp messages and all the stuff that's come out in the last couple of weeks. Um, 
I just don't think they had a clue what they were doing. Um, yeah, Boris, the, the, I think it's called the trolley, because you can't keep them going in a straight line. <laughs> that's what they. Uh, that's what they named him. They call him that, don't yeah, they? The they. Tro the trolley. Yeah, yeah. The cabinet. Yeah. 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 <coughs> <laughs> the trolley. <Yeah. laughs> was Was the lockdown, COVID, was that the biggest challenge you've had in yeah. property or business? I think so. Yeah, because. You know, obviously we have this training business, I don't know, over, around 100 staff at home, uh, which just caused a complete mess and broke all sorts of things. And then we had a construction site that started a month before uh, and they very nearly shut that. And the stress, you know, we were on 60 grand a month interest, all the stress from that, trying to run it through COVID. I mean, it just, yeah, they had a massive challenge. Of course they did. But um, I, I just think the mess, the mess they made of it was disgraceful, yeah. Mm. So we'll come back to that. Um, why did you want to start your own business? Um, why did I want to start my own business? To make more money. And uh, yeah, to make more money, um, I sort of, I was in, I was on a graduate scheme um, in the fresh meat industry when I left university. And I went around loads of different departments and uh, I saw the guys above me who were, I don't know, maybe 20 years older and they were driving VW Passats, which sort of was like, nothing against a VW Passat, but I was like, I'm not gonna be driving a VW Passat when I'm 20 years older. Um, and, um, cause that would be most of what I thought about, you know, when I was that age, what car am I gonna get? Um, and um, yeah, I just knew that that was the only way to get the life I wanted, yeah. Mm. Cause I'd been to school, I'd been to boarding school and I'd seen the kids with the dads with the big businesses and they lived quite differently from everybody else. Yeah. yeah. And um, fast forward to now with everything you've built, um, was the sacrifice worth it? Yes, definitely. I'm not one for regrets anyway, but yeah. Um, better just delete the, what's your biggest regret, regret question? <laughs> Actually, I won't, I won't. Um, would you do anything differently? I not really, but I'm just not, I, I just think you sort of make your decisions at the time and maybe they were right at the time, maybe they weren't, and then you move forward. I don't, mm. I don't really, um, yeah, all right. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's moments where we've lost a load of money and maybe I could have made a different decision. Um, but yeah, the two things that have lost the most money are, are really difficult planning officer or a consultee probably cost us half a million, I reckon, on a building. So more than 350 grand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think she did, Rob, yeah. Fuck. She did. Uh, but I couldn't, you know, I just, what could I do? I, 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 I got the politicians involved. In the mm. end, we got it sorted, but she cost us probably nine months of nonsense mm. midway through a project, just taking conditions off. Um, yeah, and the other one was a builder going bust, and that was 300 grand liqui liquidized. But I got that back by building it ourselves and mm. actually making more, saving more. So I didn't actually lose that, I don't think, yeah. now. I made it right. Um, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't really like looking back like that. I, do, I just don't really think like that. I just think, yeah, they were the decisions and... I thought they were right at the time and mm. I can sort of use that to make better decisions, yeah. Yeah. 
Do you think um, every downside or challenge has an upside opportunity? Well, I definitely think that more. I know you say that a lot, and it's made me think about that more and more. And the more I think about it, the more I do think that's the case. Yeah, mm. I do, yeah. Um, have you got an example? Oh, there's stuff every day. Um, all the time. Um, main contractor going bust. Mm. 300 grand gets vaporised. I have to learn to be a builder in, you know... Four and a half minutes. Four and a half minutes. <laughs> yeah. and, and you've got 70 men all staring at you like, all right, yeah, I'm working for you now then. <laughs> it's like, yeah, 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 I've done all this before. <laughs> <laughs> I'm made of money, I can pay the lot of you. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, well, it, it, it just forces you very quickly, doesn't it, to uh, learn how to do that. Uh, mm. And it pushed me into that position. And I know a hell of a lot more about building big buildings now on our own. Uh, if I did a big building now, I wouldn't use a main contractor. I'd, I'd get a really shit-hot QS in. I'd get an amazing site manager, maybe a deputy. And I'd just build it ourselves. Mm. Yeah, out of the office and save us two, three million quid like we did last time and get all the benefit of all the little tweaks along the way and all this cost savings and just commission the hell out of them for, right, that's the bill price, lads. If you get it, you know, every pound you get less, you get it less than that, you're getting 10% and just watch them. Do you mm. know what I mean? It, it just, that's what I do. Mm. Yeah. Isn't but it? I wouldn't have been able to do that if we hadn't gone through that. No. No. Because isn't it interesting? I remember sitting down with Mark and you <coughs> wanted to remove this a Polish yeah. main contractor. Yeah. And it was a bit stressful <laughs> because he was quite an aggressive character. Yeah. That's full stop. Um, and you managed to circumnavigate him away. Yeah. And then you went on a beauty parade to find a very credible main contractor, forced by that, which yep. you did, yep. which then immediately went bust on you. Within a month. And yep. sunk 300k. Yeah. And here you are now with yep. all the knowledge of how yep. to yep. be the main contractor. You've sort of got to go through that stuff to know how it works. Yeah. 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 That's how it works, yeah. isn't it? That's life. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And, you know, something Mark and I do talk about a lot, like you said, was every downside has an upside. And, you know, you might have noticed at the start of this interview, I was basically mm. drilling that the shit that the government have been up to, the shit that the banks are up to, I think that's an amazing opportunity for you as a property or real estate investor and or as a trainer, educator. Mm. Um, well, their, their screw-ups have, have, have cleared out the training market. Um, you know, I would say a, a lot of the reason why these training companies have gone uh, is because of the events of the last, since probably 2019, 2020. And they've had various issues, you know, some, you know, they've gone at different points for various reasons along that, that journey. But um, it's created a, a much a less tapped marketplace. Do yeah. you remember a few years ago, <clears throat> you were a bit pissed off with me because you thought that most people in the training space I had trained? I, we still have those conversations, Rob. <laughs> 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 so, 
so he hasn't got over that yet. But do you remember a few years ago when it seemed like everyone was doing it? Yes. And that's yeah. gone now? Yes. Yeah. It has, yeah. 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 Mm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. What's the better business? The property portfolio or the training business? Well, they go like that. Um, and they're, they're, they're different in that this is not a particularly capital intensive business, the training business. And, you know, we got it going quite quickly out of knowledge and out of, you know, the stuff we knew. Um, and it's something you can organically grow quite nicely. Um, but it's probably, well, it's just, it's non-correlated to, to property because, you know, we, we came out of the, we went into a recession in 2008, 2009. The training business did quite well, actually, because we were just growing it through that period. Our property sourcing business did terribly because people didn't have the money, we couldn't get money off banks to buy properties. So the training business was great. Many years, you know, as, as you go through the 2000s and then you, you get to 2016 um, and you've got a major issue with Section 24. So all of a sudden you love the training business again. Um, and then 2019, sorry, 2020, you get COVID and you very much hate the training business because <laughs> and, 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 you can't fill rooms. And then the, the property... Lee, you can't actually legally run an event. You can't illegally yeah. run the business. Yeah. Um, and then you know, the property business suddenly, well, it just carried on and it, it was great. You know, tenants carried on, even though the media told us the tenants were gonna stop paying the rents, a few tried, but actually they carried on probably because the amount of money that Boris just sort of, a bit like his personal life, he sort of <laughs> went like that, didn't he? <laughs> Sprayed money everywhere, like he does on his eight kids or whatever. Sorry, seven that we know about, um, according to the Daily Mail. Um, and, um, yeah, it, um, yeah they, they, so, so that was great. Um, you know, now we're coming into a period, you know, interest rates shot up. So, you know, maybe, you know, some of our properties aren't making any money. Quite a few of them are today, making today. today. They were before, yeah. 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 Uh, I, I'd say a good chunk, at least half of them, are making a lot more money because they're on a long-term long fixed rate. Uh, and then some are just making that much cash flow that the extra interest doesn't make that much difference. So, but if we were earlier and starting out, all of a sudden the training business would be better because, you know, it's non-correlated, it's different, um, it's not affected by in the same way, not affected by higher interest rates. So, I just think they're different businesses and they're not really correlated. And when one's doing well, the other isn't. Uh, property investment clearly benefits having good lumps of cash, which training businesses provide. Um, so I'm not one's better than the other. Mm. I, I don't really think like that. They're different and they complement each other really well. Mm. So um, many of you who are in ICMLE, you have heard me say over the mm. years that you want m multiple streams of income, i.e. at least two. You've also heard me talk about what we call counter-cyclical models, because maybe the average layperson on the street might think, well, a property business and a um, property training company, they're, 
they, they're similar uh, and they ebb and flow together. They don't. No, they, they ebb don't. and flow almost in reverse. It's like lettings. When values are dropping, lettings yeah. is usually good. And that's, so the lettings, because we have a management company. Was it 1,350, is it, tenants it's got-ish? Something, 12, 1,300, something yeah. like that, yeah. So we have that management company, which is slow and steady and predictable and is good when maybe the owning is not so good and then vice versa. With the training business, it can make net 300 a month or it can lose net 110 a month within a month. In August, September or September, October, that's exactly what's happened before. So it's like, whew. So um, we, 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 did, we did have a little sort of boxing match in between, Rob. Sort of <laughs> skewed the management accounts a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Hundred thousand pounds, I seem to remember. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think I probably made us more than that in the past. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next question. <laughs> um, Dave Ramsey says all debt is done. No. That can't be right. Why does he say that then? I don't know. I can't. I'm not in his head, am I? Um, but no, if you've got, you know, especially with property, if you've got some sensible properties that are producing good, solid, long-term income streams, and you put a sensible level of debt on them, you know, maybe 70%, depending on what the income streams are like, you know, and you let it drift down to 50, which is always our target, just 50% loan to value over time. Um, I, I don't see how that's a bad thing. It allows you to buy more property and it, it multiplies the returns. Um, what he might be referring to is consumer debt, where you, know, you, you borrow money to buy doodads, cars and everything else. And um, that's probably, it may, may be probably true, although it's still good to borrow money on your own home. And then if you can borrow money on your own home, I know at the moment you might be paying five or 6%, but if you can then deploy that at eight or 10%, then surely that's a good thing. Mm. Um, cars, yeah, again, if you can deploy the capital and make more elsewhere, then you might want to put some debt on it. I, at the moment, um, that's a lot less likely. Um, I, I don't want to borrow any money on any cars because cars look like they're 11 to 13% interest now. To, to borrow on. Well, but I guess the loans we got before were a lot less. Well, we paid on the Lamborghini, we're still paying 3%. Three wow. I mean, that's going to shoot up, isn't it? Not loads left on it. But mm. um, yeah, I, um, yeah, so for me, yeah, borrowing money on cars at the moment, I, I just wouldn't do it because mm. I it's can't cyclical, make more. Than, of course it is. I can't make more than 11, 12%. Yeah. Uh, and it's they're three year loans. Mm. So it is cyclical, but the, it comes to an end after three years. So it's, it's not, for me, that, I can't see the point of that, but I'd still borrow on property and I'd still pay six, 7%. Uh, even if I could just put it in Vanguard and probably make eight, nine, 10%, you know? So yeah, I would, yeah. I would borrow money as long as I can put it to use and make more with it elsewhere. Mm, I, I remember um, a few years back, 
I was going to pay up my mortgage, and you said, don't do that, because yeah. back then I think rates were 0.25, yeah. and you were yeah. saying, well, money's basically yeah. free. Yeah, so just use that, and it, even if you haven't got an immediate home investment where you can make more interest with it, just put it into tracker funds and, or, you know, Vanguard, um, sure you'll make seven, eight, seven to nine percent over time. Yeah. Yeah. So another thing to add, which we have in ICM Elite, because I know some of you in this room are here through our business events and some of you are here through our property events. Something that's maybe quite unique that we do in ICM Elite, hand up if you're already on ICM Elite or you're on the lifetime ICM Elite membership. So something I think quite unique that we do is we have the property mentoring and then the kind of like more marketing, um, previous hire excluded, um, and personal brand and social media and strategy kind of sits with me and the technical and the analytical sit, sits with Mark, which I think is quite unique. Mark, Grant Cardone or Robert Kiyosaki and why? Um, well... By the uh, way, he'll hate this question. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I, so I, I think the first not just sort of property, you know, book, but I think the first self-help book or, you know, book of this type that I read was Rich Dad Poor Dad. Um, and I thought it was great. Uh, yeah, it was, you know, I was probably in my early 20s and my stepdad gave it to me. And he, we actually mentioned it because I showed him the picture of you and, Kiyosaki last week when we were on holiday and I said look who he's with I said do you remember Rich Dad Poor Dad bloody hell I gave you that book um, so you know in some ways he, he got me thinking you know in in the right way mm. I felt I had some ideas already yeah um, you know in cash flow quadrant and stuff like that so you know for that Robert Kiyosaki mm. and what do you think of all this 10x oh, <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean yeah. You probably better move on because I'll just, I'll ruin your next event, mate. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think to go big or go home? Well, I mean, it's certainly not, uh, you, you, you want to sort of get started, test and measure. So you might want to buy service accommodation, maybe go, you know, go small, do one or two test it or buy a couple of single lets or do a little development. I definitely believe in that. Uh, but then when you've got the model running correctly, then of course you want to scale, uh, which I think is the go big part of the go big or go home. Um, the, um, yeah, I, of course, because otherwise it's just pointless, isn't it? You, you're, you're not leveraging your time correctly. Um, so yeah, once you've set the model up and once you know what you're doing, of course you want to go big, yeah. Mm. Some of the big American influencers say you should never have a plan B. Because if you have a plan B, then you won't make your plan A work. Well, that's certainly how you've uh, operated over the years. I mean, less so now, but I, I remember uh, 2000 and, would have been 2006, um, when we, we were looking to leave and, you know, I think leave our only job. Yeah, my we, we, only job. We, I think we got we got sacked, and the the, um, the you know our ex boss found all this stuff. You know, Robert got the 
you know, the, the office all laid out, how many desks he was going to buy, how many chairs, you know, all, all this stuff. It was all very specific. On the uh, work computer. On the work computer, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Uh, there, was lot, there was plenty of stuff there, you know, and he pulled it all out and, and then he, he got some of the pictures, you know, just all this stuff. Um, and I just remember at the time, you were just like, yeah, we burned that bridge and then we've only got one way to go and that's forwards. And then, um, so there was something in that because you've got no, you've got no alternative. There's no other choice. You've, um, you can't go back there. You can't go and do that. So you've got to make this thing work. Mm. That's it. How did you feel when I got you fired? <laughs> well, I mean, on the day I was, you know, pissed off with the whole thing, of course, but... Um, I was on a TV show at the time, wasn't I, as you well? You were, yeah. Well, I was yeah. A, uh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> what was it called? Yeah. Yeah. Tis was, Tis yeah. was. <laughs> It was called Get A Life. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it was yeah, called. I remember that, yeah. <laughs> Mark, I had a voice memo, because I could only pick up my phone every Sunday and listen to the voice memos every Sunday because I was on a reality TV show and he said, Rob, call me quick, I've been fired and you've been sacked, fuck! <laughs> I was actually really happy. I know you were, yeah. <laughs> anyway, next question. Um, what conventional wisdom or advice do you think is claptrap? I don't know, I, there's so much stuff. You need to get me started, you know what I'm like, I need the thread. Um, there's so much stuff, Rob. Yeah, I, your time's important though, isn't it? You've got to sort of, um, you've got to work out how much time it costs you to save the pennies, uh, to find the pounds. Um, uh, can you be a bit yeah. of a, um, uh, sometimes get a bit stuck in the details and yeah. spend f an hour to save £2.12? I, I can be, but then I like to think that I'll, <laughs> Not too powerful. It wasn't loaded, that question, but... <laughs> I like to think I, I can then sort of go back and, and go, right, that's not worth it. Mm. But I will do that when I'm almost creating a new model to be able to then keep saving that £2.12. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because if I feel like, oh, I spend a few hours on that today and then I know I can just glance at it and I'll know how it all works and then I'll save that £2.12 every day, do you know what I mean, for yeah. the next however many years, then I'll, I will, that's how I like to think mm. I would do. Um, I remember at the yeah. end of the Property Super Conference, yeah. and Grant Cardone had stood up and had shouted, cash is trash. Oh yeah, that one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, I, mean yeah. I, I remember what you said afterwards. We, yeah. Do you think cash is trash? Uh, no, cash is not trash. Um, I, I, I think what he means, is that um, I don't think we had a whole lot of inflation then, but you know, inflation erodes the value of cash, therefore, you want it out of cash and into assets. And there is a, a, a thread there, a lot of, and, and this is conventional wisdom, which I think you know isn't, isn't right. Most of the population will think, oh, I'll go and get an ISA, and it goes into a savings account. And of course, savings accounts for many, many years now have been, they've had a, a net negative rate of interest because the, the rate of inflation is a, above the interest that you're getting. So if you're going to put money in a savings account for a long period of time, um, you know, 
or, or all of your money in a savings account for a long period of time, I think it's nuts. Um, of course, you'll have some in a savings account to deal with uh, expenses which come up, you know, over a short time period. But, you know, it, need, it needs to go into equities or into property, um, you know, where you're going to earn more than the rate of inflation, of course. Um, so I think that's probably what he means uh, mm. by cash is trash. But of course, cash is extremely useful. Um, we've learned how solid cryptocurrencies are in the last, um, uh, I don't know, year, 18 months. I know Bitcoin's coming back, but it is, Bitcoin's fundamentally quite a good thing. I think most of the others are just nonsense. You know, mm. I, I don't think they're very real. Um, but maybe Bitcoin and Ethereum, I think, are probably different. Um, yeah, I mean, you need, it's, your, it's our means of exchange. You need cash. You know, I mean, we saw in 2020, any, anybody who had cash that first month, the stock market created, all sorts of businesses had all sorts of challenges, and those that had cash survived mm. um, till the government support came along. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, there's quite a few big, well, very credible investors who have liquidated and are holding high cash now. Yeah. Why do you think they're doing that? You mean out of the stock market? Yeah. Specifically? Yeah. Uh, because they feel like, uh, you know, it, the UK is probably not overvalued, is it? it compared to the US and, and Asia, it's cheap. It's been cheap. Our stocks of, I think, something like almost 10 years, seven, eight, seven years plus, have underperformed the US and, and our companies are looking very cheap. Um, because I think the market thinks that, you know, we, our companies are not as good as, as, as American companies. So at the multiples, you can buy stuff in our stock market at, is, is way less than you can in America and, and lots of Asia as well, lots mm. of the developed world. So, um, yeah, America looks expensive, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, and and, it, and it was, that was only exacerbated by the um, pandemic because all the tech and all that sort of stuff whilst it's come off a bit it's it's still very they expect it to grow more than than our companies because they think they those companies are better run but mm. um so yeah lots of people have come out of the especially the u.s markets because they're properly pumped aren't they mm. um yeah i think ours is a lot less pumped yeah do you want to be in ours though holy i mean you, you want to spread don't you you, you probably do 30 40 percent and then 30 percent emerging yeah. Is there a skill you wish you had, one, or a skill that you admire that you see in others? I suppose I'm always looking for the, the sort of property sourcing um, nugget, which if I can get onto it, I can just get hoover up by loads of cheap properties and nobody else really knows how to do it. That's the honest, that, that would be fun. It's, those little wormholes open for a period, don't they? And then they close again. Um, but if I could go and buy a load of dirty, cheap property uh, with some skill or, or way round the market that works for a bit, that, that would be great. Mm. Yeah, I'd really enjoy that. I but could just sit back in my office and, and just go that one, that one, that one, you know, and just keep, just keep <laughs> buying them. You know Is what I mean? Is that really not what you, you do that anyway? Yeah, I know, but I never, I feel like I'm playing, I'm having to play by the normal rules. 
you know what I mean? And I, I don't I want an advantage. You know, and over the years, I've found that advantage various times mm. to get the real dirty, cheap stuff. Yeah. But then the wormhole closes. And I mean, we used to have a buyer, didn't we? And, and he was, he was, he used to be an estate agent and he used to go out and he used to, I mean, he's a way better buyer than I could ever be. And he, he, he'd just go out and he'd just hoover up, repose on all sorts of stuff, really cheap. And we were buying stuff that was worth 100 grand and he was getting it at 60, do you know what I mean? And 50 and it, it, obviously I was doing a lot of leaflets as well. So leaflets still work, but maybe I don't want to deal with all the calls. I mean, they were the cheapest houses, but he'd, he'd just bring them back. I'd pay him an outrageous commission. He'd probably get a couple of grand for a dirty deal, you know, and then um, to him that was loads. We got him a Audi Q7 and what was he, 21, mm. you know. Then he had a Merc, you know, and um, that was great because I was just I just got this flow of mm. extremely cheap property. Obviously, in the end, he caused various you know various things happened in the office, didn't they? And with um, various people, yeah, various yeah. ladies. <laughs> um, and, and, and then and then of course when he left, it I all, think that's how he procured his some well, of his properties. Well, this, this is it? it. All all started coming out of the work. All these women started arriving at the office. All these female estate agents. <laughs> Where's, where's he, you know, I won't say his name, where's he gone? You know, I'm like, oh, oh, he's left, you know. And, and then you start realising he's sort of, there's been liaisons in all these properties. <laughs> and he's, he's, you know, he's, he's got all this stuff. He's, he's in exchange, they're, they're passing him all the cheap deals, you know, real cheap deals. And um, Can't you start doing that? <laughs> so, I mean, it, it, it was brilliant. Um, you know, we had a little sort of nice little structure. They were getting pizzas and sort of bottles of champagne and tanning vouchers and all that. And I was just—he was just coming in on it, on it, on it. Two bottles of champagne and tanning vouchers for her. She wants to go away this weekend. That one's all right like that. And I just go have what you want. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and then, so yeah, that was that was. You know, I just felt like I'd got the. Obviously, I'd got a real need, hadn't I? We'd got 110 clients we'd got to buy properties for. So I was in that position, we'd taken their money, um, so I'd got to get them a load of properties. So I was forced to just keep finding, you know, keep finding the right lad, or we had a lady at one point, she was quite good as mm, well. Yeah. Um, yeah, so opening that tap would be good again. I'd quite enjoy that, mm. yeah. Maybe 2024? Well, Maybe. I, I mean, I look around, the 20 auction properties came in the auction last month, uh, single lets, all in Peterborough, and I thought this would be good. So I looked around all of them. I spent the time, I did a sheet on each each one, but they just weren't they weren't cheap enough, do you know what I mean? Mm. And um, yeah, I just sort of want to get back there. Mm. Yeah, You know, sort of, I don't know, say, say normal 140, 150 at the moment. Let's get them for 120. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? I mean, it actually happened, and I, I kicked myself a bit. I, it's only one, but and this is this is a nice this is a nice way to buy cheap properties, and it works. It's not too many people in Peterborough here, are there? Um, you know when uh, there's, there's a there's a view. <laughs> you know you know when there's you know when there's an auction property on, and this happened last week, and um, when it says no viewing, squatters, all that sort of stuff, yeah. Um, I always just go around there, knock on the door and see what happens. 
and I did it on one. It was one of these auction ones. I saw it was no no viewing squatters, suspected squatters, and it, it just makes everyone go, oh, you know, and they, they can't look around. They don't know if it's burnt out. They don't know what's happened, and they don't know if they can have a load of people they can't evict. So I made sure I got a few quid in my pocket. <laughs> so I, I just I just went round to the door, knocked on the door, and 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 just said, oh hi, I'm I'm here to view the property, and. Um, you know, sometimes they're like, you know, whatever. I'm happy to pay a viewing fee. Do you know what I mean? I just hold a few quid up. And in the last few years, that's, I've had to give a couple of 20s away a um, couple of times. And they've let me straight in. And this one, he just went, oh, yeah, come straight in. So I just walked straight in. And he was a tenant. And I just started talking to him. Uh, and he was actually, this is what's random. He, he, was, he was renting off our letting agency. And I had no idea. Obviously, I didn't sort of admit to that because he, he got a big tale of whoa, they're repossessing this property. Or it, it was a um, housing uh, big fund that's gone bust, basically. They're having to liquidate it. So, um, yeah. And I thought, oh, this is great. Anyway, they took it out of the auction. I went away on holiday. Anyway, last week it went back into the auction, sold at 120. And that's worth one. 50, 160, all day. And I just thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. that really annoyed me. But I, I don't really want to, I want to buy lots like that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It, yeah. Cause, yeah, stuff like that's fun. Mm. Yeah. Mm. But it's just how it works, isn't it? I'm sure you guys have got lots of your little secret ways of uh, getting, getting stuff that other people can't. And, and the other thing is spotting stuff that you can develop that other people don't understand or don't know you can do that with. So when they go to see a planning consultant or an architect, they tell them, oh, you won't get planning on that or you only get planning for this and all that. But when you know a load of ways around all the problems, you can suddenly buy stuff that other people can't for less money and make more money. Do you see what I mean? So I wish I could learn more of those tricks. And the only way to learn more of those tricks is to do more deals and more developments. That's the reality of that. because. No one's going to fill a book up with those unless they're about to die, are they? Mm. Mm. I've been having a couple of chats with my wife recently, and mm. neither, of, neither of us can decide if the world's got a bit worse or we just see it more now. Well, the, there's a lot in that, a hell of a lot in what that. Do, do you think the world's got worse or no. we're just older and wiser and more haggard with more wrinkles and we just see more? The second. Yeah. yeah. I don't think the world's any worse than it was 10 years ago. I, I think, you, you I mean, know... The taxes you, are worse. The taxes are definitely worse. That's an absolute you can compare. Mm. The, we've got an ageing population, therefore there are less people paying income tax and other taxes. Uh, in comparison to how many people are drawing out, and that's a reality. Yeah. Um, and they've mismanaged everything, so of course they're paying a lot more debt interest and all the rest of it. Uh, but no, I think, you know, you see a war in Ukraine, they say, oh, there's, of course it's bad, it's terrible what's happening there. But equally they say, oh, this is the first war in Europe, for, or the worst war in Europe since, you know, the Second World War or whatever. But, you know, what about what happened in, you know, Kosovo and Serbia. I remember watching all that on TV. Uh, what about what happened? You know, now we've got Gaza and all that sort of stuff. Well, this all happened however many years ago there as well. I think you sort of have lots of people have rose tinted glasses for the past. Um, and I, 
Yeah, mm. city centre's worse in Peterborough now, but there's lots of new stuff going in now. Do you know what I mean? It's being regenerated. and um, We have a much bigger portfolio now. Yeah, there's, yeah. I don't think the world's any worse than it was. No. No, I don't think so. Mm. I, I, I certainly think older people think that. I mean, my stepdad's perfect for that. You know, it was just, this was never like that, and look what's happened here, and, you know, that's knackered now, and, you know, just everything's rubbish, you know. He gets, um, yeah, he just, you know, all the, all, yeah, the politicians, they're all just lying continually, and I, I think to myself, well, they're probably always used to lie this much, but <laughs> yeah. I, I wasn't as tuned into it, and maybe he was abroad, do you know what I mean? Or, or he just forgets. But then, then I get him on Tony Blair, right? well, he was the biggest liar of all of them, do you know what I mean? I think, well, that was 25 years ago, mm. so what are we talking about, you know? Mm. Um, would be quite good to get Margaret Thatcher back for a bit, though. Mm. I'd quite enjoy that. <laughs> In fact, I'd really enjoy that, yeah. <laughs> um, might need, probably will need one of those. If you don't, if we don't end up calling the IMF in to get rid of all this debt or to deal with it, you'll need a, a Margaret Thatcher to come in with a big scalpel. Mm. I, I would have thought at some point it's gonna, it's got, it's got to happen. He or she's gonna have to appear. Yeah. It's not gonna be any choice, is there? Mm. Um, so, no, I don't think it's any worse than it was. No. No. So, would you say you're more sceptical because of what's happened in the last yeah. four years? Yeah, you, yeah. I didn't even get you to believe, the or more optimistic yeah. part. Yeah. So you, you that believe that one. You believe a lot less, don't you? A hell of a lot less. I've become more sceptical. Yeah, I don't really what, like that about myself. No, but, but I have. You know, in terms of what the authorities say. But I've got you to be sceptical. I know, but. I don't need to be sceptical. <laughs> but we're both sceptical now. But in terms of what the authorities say, I think you just. You, you look at what they say and then use the filter of common sense and then decide what you're going to do. Yeah. Obviously, you know, with your, your buildings, you've got to remain, you know, fire safety compliant. You know, there's certain things you absolutely need to make sure you, you know, you, you, you follow to the letter of. But, um, yeah, in terms of what they get up to, it's just, yeah. Mm. Mm. Put it through the common sense filter. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So, Mark, we have a quick fire round now. You've yeah. gone through the entire set of interview questions that my guests on the show yeah. would go. So, hopefully, you've seen a little bit of a side to Mark you might not have seen before. I'm hoping that that's come across. Um, would you rather have one million cash on the table now or one million extra engaged social media followers and why? Well... Uh... I'd obviously prefer the one million in cash because I'd go and deploy it. Um, but what I would probably do is, if I was offered that, I'd say, can I have five minutes to decide? And then I would ring you. <laughs> and then I would say, is there a way of you taking these? And is it worth more than one million pounds? Um, and then I'd, I'd sort of, if you thought it was, I'd hand them over. Um, but otherwise, if it was just me, I'd take the cash. Mm. Yeah. You surprised me with that answer. Yeah. I knew you'd say the cash, but yeah, because, yeah, I mean, you should make more than one pound per engaged follower per year. Yeah. You should. You should make But a lot I don't. No. And it's not what but I, I do. could. <laughs> that's why the thing I is, if I pretended to, to be you, though, that's you wouldn't I, like what I write. That's why I'd pass them to <laughs> you. I'd just pass them yeah. to you. Yeah. Um, does money make you happy? I, 
it, it, the law of ever diminishing returns, isn't it, with this? So you, a certain amount of money makes you probably about as happy as you're going to get. And it's, it's, it's probably not loads. It's probably enough to have just a reasonable income and the things you want and whatever else. And then beyond that level, it, it's the law of extreme diminishing returns. You, 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 you maybe won't become any happier. Uh, and actually, you've probably got more problems to deal with it. So, I don't know, maybe, maybe not. It doesn't mean I don't want to earn more because, I don't know, I'm just sort of programmed to do that. Mm. Um, but but you um, learn to fly, which you love, which is very yes. expensive. Well, that's true. Mm. I, you know, the day before yesterday, um, yeah, I, I took a turbine helicopter around East Midlands, uh, radar, on radar control, went straight over the, the runway at East Midlands Airport and me flying a little helicopter. Um, I love that. Mm. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. Yeah, mm. I would like to buy a helicopter. Yeah. Uh, but, but even just learning to fly yeah. one is really expensive, isn't it? Yeah, it's mm. £700 an hour for me to fly that, yeah. Mm. yeah. And, of course, you've got a nice car collection. Which... Yeah. Yeah, that's... Uh, honestly... I've got a little bit of insight into yeah. this from a voice memo I got yesterday. It, it depends. The fucking alarm's going off on this old fucking Porsche. No, no, it's been what? going on for half an hour. <laughs> this is a great big fucking faff. <laughs> Aftermarket alarm systems never work. <laughs> is that not true? It, wait, I didn't say it like that. <laughs> just, uh, Rob, Rob's trying to buy this... this um, this new immobilizer I'm not trying system. to buy it. I just saw is, it and I asked you if it was... A bit like you would ask me about social media. I would ask you about it. I'm not yeah. trying to buy it. Should we buy this new immobilizer system? Because it's... I won't say the guy's name, but he's some... Yanni. He's, he, you know, he's online, you know, marketing this stuff. You know, should we put it on the cars? And I'm just thinking, imagine putting one of those on an old, you know, 40-year-old car. Do you know what I mean? It, it just... You get it. You, you <laughs> just and um, so, but of course, I so, feel like I'm being negative when I because I immediately. Well, like, I didn't say I it. Just see all so these. So your subconscious. So I, 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 when it happened yesterday, this aftermarket alarm system that's on this, you know, uh, 1987 Porsche. 89. Yeah. Yeah. 1989. Yeah. Um, 30, 30 year old Porsche. I, I just at that moment I wanted to explain why I don't think these are things are a good idea. Do you know what I mean? Because it was forty minutes. I got a five you know, minute voice memo. You know, it, was, it was nice though. It wasn't. It wasn't. It was, it was. It was forty minutes driving along with this alarm going off. You know, with with a thing you don't even know how to set. You know, I I got there's a building site next door. As I was rolling out of the drive, I got it started. You know, it'd been cold and I'd been away for a couple of weeks, so it wouldn't. You know, there's. It's all feeling a bit condensation inside. So I'm sitting on the drive trying to get it dry inside. Um, and, you know, it's revving away. And, this, you know, it's blaring away. This, this alarm's going and I'm just trying to ignore it. The site manager off the building site, imagine next door they're running all this big equipment. It's really loud. He comes over because, are you all right? I thought your car was getting nicked. I've, I've texted the, um, the other site manager. He should be sending you a message shortly. I thought your car was getting nicked. All this. I'm like, thanks very much. Um, my wife's there staring out of the window. I told you to get rid of those cars. You know, <laughs> those ridiculous, I hate them, you know, and all this sort of stuff. Um, sort of roll down the road, you know, get out onto the dual carriageway. 
you know, this forward focus is over, overtaking me because I'm a little bit embarrassed, you know, they're sort of looking over as the alarm's going off. Um, and, um, you know, sort of just roll into, roll into the, you know, the guy that valets the cars, looks at him and says, oh, Pete, can you... And he had stopped by then, so, you know, sort of hand it over. Uh, slink off, and then within, you know, three minutes, my phone lights up, oh, battery, oh, the alarm, you know, and all this, and I'm thinking, oh, friend, here we go. And then, um, yeah, so And then was, your voice memoed. Yeah, well, yeah, but I just thought, I need to explain this is, this is what happens when you mm. put stuff like that on. I know you didn't put it on that car, but... Yeah. Um, and yeah. the funny thing is, I, it never goes off when I drive it. <laughs> never. Always uh, on you. Yeah. <laughs> so is us having seven cars between us worth it? Sometimes it's not, uh, because it, it, it's fine as long as I haven't got to be somewhere or deal mm. with it in the moment. Which is if when I, it normally fucks up. Yeah, yeah. If, 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 if it's a home and it all starts, and I can just go, right, ditch that, and then just get into a car that I, I've no issue. But, you know, I've got to take Freddie to school, all that, you know, and it mm. just... So yeah, it, but he does love the cars, doesn't he? Well, that's one of the reasons it's still there in November. Because normally, by the end of October, we stick them in your garage, seal them up, and don't see them again till March. But of course, he's—I mean, you can't—you know—he's there writing his homework. I'm like, just do that, trace, finish writing your name, Freddie. Only if I can go in the Ferrari to school tomorrow. And he's four. <laughs> and this is, that's what it is. He has got and you. It, and it's complete negotiation <laughs> over. Uh, I want to, uh, where's the red Porsche, you know, uh, where's the red Ferrari? And I'm like, they've gone in the garage for it. Can we get them back? No, not, not at the moment. Oh, and then, and then, and then the next day, the same thing again. Do you know what I mean? So, so it's good. It's great. You know, when you're, you know, in the summer, all the rest of it, but he, he's now into demanding a mate on a daily basis. And it's, you know, and even Gemma was, uh, Oh, I can't get him to do this. Just say you'll take him in the fry, please, like this. <laughs> and I was like, okay, all right, you know. And then, and of course, now the tax has run out, and because anyway, so yeah, <laughs> just it, it, you have to it, just—it's a lot of management yeah. running them. Yeah. yeah. So it's good. There's good and bad. Yeah. yeah. In the summer, it's often good. Yeah. yeah. In the winter, it's yeah. Yeah. Can you remember the best advice you ever received? Oh, best advice. Um, yeah, I think when I worked out that inflation has the opposite effect on debt. So when you take out lots of debt, and this, this is why that Dave Ramsey's comment is just so wide of the mark on, it, on investment. Um, if you borrow money to buy property and you've got an inflation rate, I don't know, what's inflation now, seven or eight? Um, every year that debt you've got is depreciating by seven or eight percent. It has an inverse effect on debt. Um, and it just took me a couple of days to get my head around it, but it's so powerful. It's like, you know, you know your money's withering away in the bank, in the savings account, when inflation's eight percent and you're only getting three percent interest. But what's the bank doing? The bank's lending that out to somebody else and the person who's borrowed it is getting the benefit. Now, obviously interest rates have gone up quite a bit, so that's, that's changed a little bit, but still 
even if you're not making that much cash flow on your properties, at the moment, the debt on them is going down by seven or eight percent a year. Um, you know, wages are going up eight percent. I mean, that is so powerful when you get that and then, then it shows you why you need to scale and why you need a reasonable amount of debt and mm. it's really powerful. Mm. Can you remember the worst advice you ever received? Oh God, that's every week, isn't it? <laughs> um, Buy a 1989 Porsche. No, that's, that's a great car, Rob. Yeah. And you lent it to me. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not... I felt so guilty yeah. when that alarm went off on you. No, but no... That's a great car. I was kind car. of glad it didn't go no, off on me. That's but, a great yeah. car, Rob. Um, the worst advice. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It happens every week, doesn't it? The general public have all sorts of mm. um, ideas which are just nonsensical. Um, I mean, I'm going to say something which maybe yeah. I shouldn't say, but I'm going to yeah. say it, and you can yeah. you can give your answer or not, but. Yeah. Um, I regret that I didn't keep our training business open yeah. even when the government said yeah. we couldn't keep it open. Yeah. And I remember two people who were in our space, yeah. they Did. ran events anyway. Yeah. And we, we got to the point where we were 50-50, yourself, yeah. myself and my MD. Do you think you would have been able to get the people in the room? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I've, uh, that's, Some, yeah. for all my flaws, that's yeah. one thing I've been able to do. Yeah, so, so I remember there was a point where um, we did get to that place mm. and they were still coming out with all these reasons as to why we shouldn't open. And we did run, I think we ran an MSOPI, we put 100 people in a room and we spaced them all out. Um, and the council got onto... The council wrote a letter, you've, you know, you've breached this, we're sending inspectors around, all this sort of stuff. So I got a proper lawyer onto them and, and, uh, and, and basically said, right, this is an education business. Here are, you know, the, here's the guidance in, in, in relation to training businesses, because of course it's probably primarily written for schools and colleges and all that sort of stuff. Why are we any different? And I got him to go at them. And of course, they just didn't respond because they didn't have any way of dealing with it. Um, so yeah, I should probably have done that earlier because mm. I suspect technically we were allowed to. Yeah. Who knows? It, it needs to go to court for someone to decide. This was all you know, legislation which they suddenly dreamt up um, and guidance which they hadn't thought through and um, mm. we just had to sort of run with, didn't we? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So what Matt Hancock probably should have been doing was protecting all those people in the care homes and, and the hospitals and all the old people. That, that's clearly what should have happened. But mm. no, the, where was the testing? He was just telling lies according to the, those WhatsApp messages. It was just absolutely nuts, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> I think at that point I didn't necessarily believe the government. But I also think if there's a choice between listening to the government or going bust... Yeah. I would, I would probably be prepared to be a bit disruptive. Yeah. Yeah. Last question, Mark. What is your most brutal life lesson? God. Brutal life lesson. Mm. Probably my dad dying from cancer and um, learning that, you know, learning how important it is to look after your body and 
do certain things and not do other things. Uh, and I probably didn't get all of those uh, lessons that quickly afterwards. It's taken time to work it out and keep looking and researching and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, that really focuses the mind on why you've got to eat properly, sleep, exercise, um, you know, and, and probably, yeah, I take supplements and all sorts of stuff, yeah. So you've focused a lot more on that recently, have you? Yeah, yeah, a lot more recently. I did, I mean, it's been gradual since he died, but it's always in my head, mm. you know, as to, um, and I look at friends who have still got both of their parents and actually I'd say they're the ones that do, do most damage to their bodies versus the ones who have lost one or two parents wow. through health issues. And I look at the way they run their bodies and it's really different. Mm. So, you know, your sort of uh, good side, upside, crit, down upside, side, downside. Yeah. Well, there's the example. Yeah, they've got their parents, but they're taking their own health for granted. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I know, I, know, I know a few very specific examples, yeah. Mm. One in particular, yeah. Mm, wow. Mm. I think that's the perfect note to end. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this uh, somewhat last-minute replacement. <laughs> um, and Mark, like I said, was on his way out. So he had stuff to do, and he stopped, and he turned around, and he said, no problem. So please give Mark a huge round of applause. Thank you, Mark.